This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who has never recruited LeBron James to play for a women's basketball team. Wow, Donald Trump. Yesterday, he was in Washington giving a speech for the first time since leaving office. The whole scene was so surreal. We will share a couple excerpts from the ex-president's speech. You're about to hear the greatest speech you've ever heard. We will also get into some soaring crime stats with New York gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin, who, if you remember, was attacked on stage in an event last week. I tried to stab him, and that maniac was out on bail a few hours later. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't quite know, but you can bail these, uh, you can blame these woke bail reforms. Everything woke turns to uh, You ain't kidding. 888-788-9910, the phone number, if you want to discuss that or anything. Fox Across America, as you know. It is America's family meeting. You can be anything you want in this family. Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. We don't care. Just don't be a That is all. As we begin a big Wednesday broadcast on the show, I was just on America's Newsroom with the great Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino. If you missed it, it is up on the Fox Across America Facebook page. Go there and be a part of the community, dang it. There's all kinds of wild stuff going on. I'll be on tonight with the great Sean Duffy. Uh, Friday, what the hell? I got a lot going on. Harris Faulkner, I'll be back on Gutfeld Monday. And I am working on a top-secret project with a fellow by the name of Tucker Carlson as well. So keep your eyes glued to the screen for that. But right now, we begin with a little you and me time. That began this morning, wow, with a little you and me time with my fourth-grade teacher, uh, the great Norma Germano, who taught me at the Abbey Lane Elementary School back in the year 1986. That was the year the Mets won the World Series. My best buddy, uh, Bernie Laugan, used to walk around in his Keith Hernandez jersey. And uh, I had a gal by the name of Jen Saboski in my class who I just thought was the cat's pajamas. But Mrs. Germano, Mrs. Germano famously read us a book called Where the Red Fern Grows when we were in fourth grade. And uh, it was about a couple of hunting dogs, old Dan and little Ann, and they're off in the woods. And I, I don't think any book affected me or my development like my love of that book, which, of course, doesn't end the best. It doesn't. I gotta, I'm not going to lie. It doesn't, have the, doesn't exactly have a feel-good ending. Uh, but nothing felt better than fourth grade. I loved fourth grade. And apparently, when I was hosting The Five on the 4th of July this year, uh, one of the questions Dana Perino asked me, which was, which book affected you the most in your childhood? I talked about Mrs. Germano and where the red fern grows. Well, lo and behold, she happened to be watching at that very moment. Oh, wow. I mean, that is crazy to think. It is my fourth grade teacher. I have not spoken to her 
since fourth grade. No, I mean, none of my old teachers want to speak to me. Are you kidding me? You call them up. They, they pretend the number's disconnected. I'm like, hey, <laughs> Mrs. Landman. She's like, the number you have reached is not in. I'm like, what do you mean? It's me. I know that's not a recording. But shout out to Mrs. Germano, who caught me on the five, uh, tracked down my information, and got on the, uh, the emails with me this morning. We had a nice back and forth, and it was a wonderful blast from the past. And I bring up the blast from the past. Why? Because Trump, your former president, was back in Washington yesterday. He has not been there since he left aboard Marine One. Just, you know, a little more than a year and a half ago, it feels like an eternity when you look back at the conditions in the country. Understand, when he left town, okay, inflation was at 1%. Gas prices were $2 a gallon cheaper. Understand, the border was at its lowest rate of illegal border crossings in history. We were not sitting on this record level of fentanyl overdose deaths, nor was the Taliban armed with $85 billion of our weapons. Biden is such a disaster. So seeing him back up there for a lot of people, it was a really surreal take, especially when you hear that this speech is given against a backdrop that Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice is apparently doing some type of criminal probe into Trump. Uh, over his role in the January 6th hearings and what it could amount to. I got to be honest with you, he's not going anywhere. Anytime you hear unnamed sources are going after Donald Trump, unnamed sources have said the walls are closing in. Anytime you hear the word unnamed sources and Trump, what you're about to hear is bullshit. I'm just telling you because I care. There were 200 anonymously sourced bombshells during the Mueller probe. All 200 of them turned out not to be true. He knows what he's talking about. In fact, the probe itself was just acknowledged by the New York Times last week in their little Mia Koopa op-ed they wrote about nine things the paper wants to apologize for. Why did they want to apologize? Why is a paper owning its past mistakes now? Because if you look at their bottom line, they're probably cratering subscribers. If you look at the polling on the media, more people trust the finger sandwiches at Jeffrey Dahmer's house than they do the American media. So they were trying to buy back a little currency. And they said last week, yes, we admit the Mueller probe was a hoax and we ran with it a little too hard and we slandered Trump supporters, blah, blah, blah. But understand, they didn't get it wrong. Getting it wrong implies that they tried And they just, you know, didn't get the numbers right. No, 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 no. They got it wrong on purpose. Okay, understand the Mueller probe. The people who started the Mueller probe, like James Comey, who were anonymously leaking classified information to the press so we could create a special counsel. They were doing that knowing full well that the Mueller probe was based entirely on opposition research bought and paid for by the Clinton campaign. So you understand the Mueller probe was a hoax day one, and the people who started it knew it was a hoax day one, meaning all of the people reporting on it who were getting their information from the people who started it, they all knew it was a hoax. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. It was a scam, man. And, and what they put the country through, what they subjected us to for three years. I mean, really think about that for a second. They really, like, destroyed a guy's presidency. There were three years where it was, like, almost impossible to govern. You got half the country yelling that you're a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin and your kids are going to testify against you or they're going to jail too. That's the plot the left ran with just because they couldn't deal with getting out of bed in the morning 
and establishment politicians not having their hands on the lever of power in this country. That's the one thing about Trump that will stand out in history above all else and all the sensationalism and the tweets and the impeachments and the January 6ths is things, number one, were substantively better under Trump. The country was going so well, we had time to pretend that we had like a Russian supervillain in the Oval Office being controlled by Russia. They told us this was like an Austin Powers movie where Dr. Evil is controlling the country. You shut your mouth, you bastard. But things were going so well, some of us were able to spend three years pretending Trump was controlled by Dr. Evil. Now, things are going so bad that some of us are just pretending that our president is sane and coherent. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. Nobody can. But it was unprecedented what they did to Trump. Make no mistake about it. Okay, and there are a lot of things. Let's be clear. Trump was not throwing a perfect game out there in front of the microphones or in front of the Twitter keyboards. Guy ran the country really well. I tell you this every day. He is substantively better as a leader for this country than probably anybody in the last three or four decades. I mean, he's really did a great job of prioritizing American needs. You know, it stands out now. Because you really see the juxtaposition against what Biden is doing in letting the border wide open, prioritizing illegal migration over any form of fixing the legal system. Okay, up until about a week ago, prioritizing criminals over cops. Now they're pretending to care about cops. Hey, here's a couple of extra bucks. Okay, the damage is done. If you run a campaign on this is a battle for the soul of our nation, the whole country is racist, okay, and 81 million people buy it, you got a big problem on your hands when it comes to the relationship between police and the law enforcement community. That's why we're hemorrhaging so many officers right now to early retirement options, okay? People don't want to do a job where they're required to risk their life for a society that actually doesn't care about them. That's true. That is true. Okay, we care. We care on this show. We care on Fox. Okay, you heard Ashley Moody, the attorney general of Florida yesterday, actively recruiting cops down to Florida where they've got a governor who's got their back. That's what we need. The cops doing the single most important job in society. But the point is Trump knew those things. These are basic common sense things. The Democrats like to use the word common sense to pressure you into agreeing with them. But nine times out of ten, what they're proposing is not common sense. They're like, oh, the environment. We need some common sense reforms. And you're like, yeah, I like common sense. I like common sense reforms. That seems reasonable. And then they're like, we've got to reconfigure our whole economy and give all the leverage to China. What the hell did you just say? (laughs) Like, wait a minute. A second ago, I was nodding my head. We had common sense. No, a second later we're killing the keystone energy pipeline we're in a fuel crisis and we're not going to solve it by tapping into our own 200 year supply of oil that's stupid use your common sense but it's sold to you yes as common sense that's the scam of democratic rhetoric so yesterday trump is in washington uh he speaks just a few hours after mike pence spoke pretty eloquently i might add and seemed to take a couple of shots at trump by saying, you know, Donald Trump and I don't agree, uh, don't agree on the direction we should go in. Don't agree on the focus we should go in. He said, we have all the same values. He said, we're not as divided as people say we are. We just have a different focus. I think elections should be about looking forward. He thinks elections should be about looking back. I mean, what is he basically saying? Hey, shut up about the 2020 election. The American people are prioritizing different things at the polls right now. And it's true. If Trump runs for president on I'm going to get everybody who did me in in 2020, Trump's going to get his ass handed to him. Okay, because if you look at what people prioritize right now, they want somebody to come in 
and clean up the mess Biden made. That's what they want. They don't want a time machine to bring them back to 2020. They want productivity. They want a plan they can believe in heading towards 2024. So Pence isn't wrong for saying that. And again, neither is Trump for saying what he said yesterday. He outlined the state of chaos we happen to be living in right now in this country. And then he dove right in on the culture war, as only Trump does. And I got to be honest with you, man, I'm always critical of him. Okay, I'm critical of everybody if they're doing something I don't agree with, because my job isn't to be a partisan shill. My job is not to be an activist. My job is to be a talk show host and have honest conversations with you. And I honestly, that being said, thought it was really funny when he started doing the Leah Thomas material, talking about how she was, if you don't know this, Leah Thomas was nominated last week to be the NCAA Woman of the Year. That's not right. No, it's not. Why is it not right? Because she's a biological man. Do you understand? And there are, in fact, biological differences between men and women, no matter what they tell you on the woke left. Boys have a penis. Girls have a vagina. Well, needless to say, Leah Thomas did not did not win Woman of the Year. Apparently, the voters really gave her the shaft. But stick with me. She did not win. Uh, but it was not lost on Donald Trump, who talked about this unfair advantage, how they were racing women, and said if we're going to go all in, he'd like to own a basketball team and do some recruiting on his own. Here it is, clip 34. I'll tell you what, if I were ever, uh, I'd be the greatest woman's basketball coach in history. Because I don't like LeBron James. I like Michael Jordan much better. But, but I... But I'd go up to LeBron James, it doesn't matter. I'd say, LeBron, did you ever have any desire to be a woman? Because what I'd love you to do is star on my team that I'm building up. I will have the greatest team in history. They'll never lose. Nobody will come within 70 points of this team. (laughs) He's not wrong, though. The men have a huge biological advantage. Think about it. Leah Thomas, as a male swimmer was ranked in the, like, 300th, switches to a female swimmer, breaks every record known to man. And again, there is no story out there where a biological woman is switching to be a biological man and breaking all the records. I think he's got a point. And why do I have a point? Because it's not happening. Men have a huge biological advantage. Think of the movie Rocky Three. Imagine if Mr. T switches his name to... Mrs. T. And instead of fighting Rocky, he fights Adrian. Every single one of you is going to bet your money on Mrs. T. Shut up, fool! I'm just telling you, it's going to happen. Okay, but the bottom line is that was some vintage Trump yesterday. He hit Biden where it hurts on every substantive issue. And when you talk about common sense reforms and, you know, the pressure Democrats put on you to agree with their wacky far-left ideology, there's nothing more common sense than saying, yes, if LeBron James was in the WNBA, they'd win every game known to man. Hell, they might even have some viewers. Swimmer 
Across America with Jimmy This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to Shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Where there is a true and total breakdown of law and order, where citizens' most basic rights have been violated, then the federal government can and should send the National Guard to restore order and secure the peace without having to wait for the approval of some governor that thinks it's politically incorrect. To call them in. When governors refuse to protect their people, we need to bring in what's necessary anyway. We have to go beyond the governor. That is your former president, Donald Trump, lambasting the current president for his refusal to prioritize law and order. Biden sucks. I don't think Democrats understand what a liability this is. Crime is not supposed to ever, ever be a political issue. When somebody mugs somebody on the street, when they rape a woman, when there's a push in robbery, okay, they don't ask, hey, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Before they say, give me your wallet, before they swing a pipe at your head on the subway. Do you know how out of control New York is, right? It's crazy. I've told you this before. We used to have these famous walking tours where they show you the, you know, the architecture in New York. They're now called running tours because you're probably getting chased from some zombie. <laughs> And it's amazing that they've conceded the issue of crime by trying to position this as some type of equity thing, as if, well, you know, we can't arrest criminals because it disproportionately affects minority communities. You want to know what really disproportionately affects minority communities? Letting them right back out of jail. Why? Because 90 percent of these crimes are perpetuated against people of the same race. Okay, you get murdered, raped or robbed over 90 percent of the time. The person doing so is a member of your race. So all we're doing with all of these woke initiatives like bail reform is we're prioritizing the law breaking members of the minority community over the law abiding members of the minority community. This could be a problem. It's a huge problem. And nobody in the Democratic Party thinks so. They just keep howling on about equity. Vote for me. That's all they got. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Across America with Jimmy Fallon. That's 80s one hit wonder and emotion. Squeezing a second hit out of their jam obsession. That is recession in honor of the Biden White House. That man, oh boy, oh man, are getting caught in one lie after another. Not only on the economy, but on a couple of social issues as well. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, man, if anybody's listening to this segment, you really are. So we're going to get into the recession stuff because Brian Deese, do you remember back in the day there was Baghdad Bob who'd get on TV and, you know, everything's fine, it's not what you think it is, that whole thing during the war? First we had Baghdad Bob, now we have D.C. Deese who gets on TV with a straight face. Now there's no recession. Now we, if you look at the definition based on the barometric pressure, if the earth is in its second term of rotate, you're like, no, 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 hold on a second. The technical definition of a recession has always been if your economy shrinks two quarters in a row, you're going backwards. Okay, one quarter, no big deal. Maybe there was a blip. Maybe something unnatural happened, something to disrupt supply chains, something to hurt hiring like an act of God, Mother Nature, or excuse me birthing person nature. I don't want to get myself canceled here, but birthing person nature, let's assume uh, that he or she, I don't know Mother Nature's preferred pronouns, but let's say birthing person nation. Let's say they did something that disrupted the economy on a one-time basis. The economy might shrink and then get right back up off its feet. But when the economy shrinks two quarters in a row, Okay, that's generally a sign you're in a recession, so much so that that was the accepted definition of a recession. Hold on to that for a second, okay? because we're sitting here during the commercial break and I I, listen, I'm a very peppy, happy, uppy guy. 
But I hate, I hate, I God, I just hate when people lie to you. It drives me crazy, and I hate the shamelessness of all the lying. Do you understand? When I was a single guy, like I never had a great woman in my life. I have a woman in my life now I'm honest with, and it helps because her dad's a great guy, and it makes you want to be a better person. I mean it. I tell you that every day. Like having Jenny Fela is the reason I'm in the position I'm in. I never could have applied myself or had somebody else to fight for every day. That's why I have this show. It's like when my kid was born, I was driving a cab, and I was like, wow. I mean, I really want to do stuff for this family. We don't have anything. I'm living out of a shoebox. I got to apply myself. And then what happened is I went way too hard. And now I'm sitting here as a former cab driver with no education hosting a nationally syndicated talk show. That can't be good. No, it's terrifying. I should have came off the throttle a little bit. But you can blame Jenny because she was a great girl and I loved her so much that we just went hard every damn day. Persistence, man. Whatever you're trying to get to in life. Remember this. If I can do it, you can do it. You just got to keep hitting that wall with a rock hammer, Shawshank style. Every little dent helps. You might not achieve your goal today, but if you didn't quit today, today was a really big day. It was a really seminal day towards you getting to where you want to be long term because the days you don't feel like doing it and you keep going anyway, those are the actual difference makers long term that add up in the end and get you where you want to be. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Anyway. One of the things I really do go bonkers about is when people are just lying to you brazenly with no regard. They have no respect for you. They're lying to your face, okay? Yesterday I played you a clip because there's this whole hullabaloo going on in Washington about Joe Biden and, you know, gay marriage and whether or not we're going to revisit the Oberfeld decision from the Supreme Court, which is a losing wager for the Republicans. I don't think it's going to happen, but the Democrats are trying to lay claim to more identity politics grievance stuff by saying they're coming after gay marriage. And again, every time the Democrats say they're coming after something, it's usually followed up by an email saying, please give us money. That's all this is. They're coming after gay marriage. Please give us money. So that was the debate. Okay, and it's been a hot button conversation in Washington that the Democrats are the party that protects gay Americans, just like the Democrats are the party that protects black Americans. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. A thousand percent, because every woke bail initiative is harmed too. black Americans, defunding police, cutting a billion dollars from major municipalities like New York and Los Angeles. Who did that harm? Black America. Democrats oppose school choice. Who does that harm black America people trapped in failing schools can't get their kids out of those failing schools because the Democrats can't stand up to teachers unions they can say they're for something but if their actions are harming the thing they claim to be for in the end they're against it no matter what they tell you I admire your honesty but here we bring up gay marriage why because yesterday I played you one of our permanent audio clips this is then Senator Joe Biden on the verge of becoming your VP outlining the stance that marriage is between a man and a woman. This is clip seven. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? No! Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? I wish you would ask Corinne Jean-Pierre, because yesterday at the White House, with a straight face, she said Joe Biden was out front 
for marriage equality as a senator and a VP. Take it away, diversity hire Jean-Pierre. It's clip six. I spoke to the president about uh, 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 this legislation, the Marriage Act, the Respect for Marriage Act, uh, last week. As you know, this is something that the president has supported uh, for many, many years. He was out front uh, on on marriage equality uh, ahead of so many other uh, uh, congressional members and senators when he was uh, when he was himself uh, uh, a senator and also as vice president, as you all know. You were lying your ass off. So he was out front on marriage equality. Oh, was he now? I'll allow, let's revisit the clip one more time. Tell me if this sounds like a man who was out front on marriage equality. This is then Senator Biden, clip seven. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? (laughs) Democrats are so full of crap. They really are. Okay, understand this. Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game here? That's what Joe Biden just said in that clip as a senator on the verge of becoming the VP. Why did he say that? Because it's what he believed. When he became the Democratic vice president, okay, Joe Biden did serve for eight years under Barack Obama. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did happen. And during those eight years, on the very tail end of the administration, Barack Obama, who opposed gay marriage as recently as 2010, suddenly found Jesus really late in the service. Why? Because it became politically expedient to do so. So they did openly begin supporting gay marriage. Yes, they did. They pivoted completely away from their prior principle because that's the way the wind blew. Now, I'm not here to litigate whether or not we should have gay marriage. I said this yesterday. I know there's plenty of people listening who think it's between a man and a woman. My problem is every conservative who's going to go out and fight for that is friends with another conservative who's been married five times. You can't tell me about how sacred marriage is. Like, I can. I had a great woman. I'll never leave her. She might escape one day. I don't know. You know, she might find the key. But uh, I'll never leave her. She's the best. But you can't get out there with a straight face if you've been divorced seven times and be like, marriage is between a man and a woman. It's sacred. Come on. But the bigger point here is the lie. They were against it until the public was for it, at which point they jumped right in. I only bring this up because when people lie as brazenly as they do about stuff like that, number one, it infuriates me. But number two, it makes it impossible to take them at their word on anything else. Okay, their word right now when it comes to the economy is this is not a recession. So what it says that in the dictionary we will change the dictionary. Here is D.C. Deese, Brian Deese. He's the director of the National Economic Council. This is the guy talking economy with the president, and he's giving you the silver lining. In this land of making, land of milk and honey, well, at least we're not in a famine. Here it is, clip eight. Well, look, I think that our, our economy is uh, more resilient uh, to, the, to the types of challenges uh, that we've faced. Uh, for example, you know, with respect to uh, food, we're a net exporter of, of, of agricultural commodities and Obviously, the, the high prices are hitting Americans very hard, but uh, that in, in a way that is different from some places that are facing famine, for example. You're a moron. Yo, could you imagine that? Well, I mean, look, the United States, at least we're not starving. 
Come on, United States. Hey, we're not a famine over here. Yo, that is not. Do you understand? Just listen to me, man. If you're a Democrat listening to the show, that is not the standard we're holding ourselves to as Americans. These guys inherited the most prosperous and wealthy and powerful country on earth. We are not two years in. And the offer to us is, hey, at least you're not starving. Which makes me think you might be soon. I'm not a fear mongerer. I'm not trying to get you worked up. But if you look at how much grain, if you look at how much land the Chinese government is buying up with Bill Gates right now, it makes you wonder if things are going to go sideways. I don't have the answer. Okay, but apparently neither does anybody else in the White House because they're still trying to correct the definition of recession. Here is more D.C. Deese, Brian Deese, explaining Janet Yellen's definition is not correct. Clip nine. The definition of recession, which has been an issue that I know many of you have uh, reported on, um, as Secretary Yellen said on Sunday, uh, two negative quarters of GDP growth is not uh, the technical definition of recession. It's not the definition that economists have traditionally uh, relied on. You're not telling me the truth. Yo, it is, just to be clear, the only definition they've relied on. It is the definition. If your economy, if your GDP shrinks consecutive quarters, this has been the definition as long as we've used the word recession. This has been a definition going back to the Depression. Do you understand? This has always been the definition. So when he says this again and again and again, this is somebody lying to you and he's willing to do so because we're living in the death of shame. People don't feel shame when they lie. Like I'm just telling you this. As a young guy, before I had a Jenny Fallon, oh my God, all kinds of women. You tell them all kinds of things because you're always trying to get more women and have a good time. You're out there, you know, running around and telling whatever you want. Okay, but yeah, you do feel a little shame. You're like, hey, this ain't cool. Come on, Jimbo. You could do better than that, but not much better. Uh, <laughs> but not much better. What the hell is wrong with you? Oh, there's a lot wrong with me. But uh, most of it was fixed by Mary and Jenny Fallon. But the point is you're supposed to feel shame when you lie. These people don't feel shame. Okay, when they're lying to 330 million Americans, whether it's Corrine Jean-Pierre saying Biden was out front on gay marriage, even though I'm playing you clips of him saying, hell no. Or it's Brian D saying, well, the technical definition of a recession is not the technical definition of a recession, even though it's always been the technical definition of a recession. Yo, that is shameful. No matter how you define shameful in the dictionary. Introducing Recession by Calvin Klein. Recession. A fragrance so good, it's hard to define. And what is exactly the White House's definition of a recession? Again, we don't, we don't, I'm not going to define it from here. Recession. Made from a patented blend of inflation and high fuel prices, Recession will have all the hot and horny girls in denial. This is not an economy that's in recession, but we're in a period of transition in which growth is slowing. Recession will give you the confidence to take on any challenge. I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental, fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness. Recession. recession is so strong. It's causing women and men to lose their minds. I keep forgetting I'm president. Recession by Calvin Klein, a fragrance that always does the job until there's no more jobs out there. Recession. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. 
Oh, man, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know things are bad when CNN is turning on the Biden White House. CNN is the worst. They really are. But here is Chris Saliza, renowned Twitter troll, even saying you can't change the definition if it doesn't work out for you when it comes to the word recession. Here it is, clip 20. They clearly believe that that is likely to come to pass later this week. They're trying to pre-butt it. To your point, we get why they're doing it politically. Right. At the same time, we have these terms for reasons. You don't have to like it. Of course they don't like it because the economy, you know, Joe Biden's Biden's handling of the economy was at 25 or 30 percent in our most recent poll. Like, yeah, it's a problem for them. This adds to the problem. But you don't get to change the nomenclature in the middle of a campaign because it doesn't work for you. Come on, man. Nope. Even Casey Hunt on CNN said you can't fake your way around this. It's clip 19. Inflation affects every American directly. Uh, The Biden administration is trying to point out the the definition of a recession is nuanced. But I got to tell you, I I struggle with this. I get that why they want to do it from a political perspective. But like you can't fake this. (laughs) You can't fake it. Do you understand? But they're faking it. That's exactly what they're doing. That's why they're polling where they are. I say this a lot on the show. Okay, I didn't vote for Joe Biden. Uh, but I want the country to do well under his leadership. I take no joy in knowing we've got a president who's polling at 30 percent because you don't get the 30 percent if the whole media has your back unless you are truly destroying the country. Like Joe Biden is destroying the country. He's not running again. OK, they are brazenly, openly disrespecting this man in Washington. There's a poll out today. We're going to get into it with Kevin Walling later. He worked on Biden's campaign in 2020. And there's a poll out today that now says 70 percent of Democrats, 70 percent of Democrats don't want him running in 2024. You never do this to an incumbent president in your own party. Even if things go sideways, you still traditionally enjoy support in your own party just because they're partisans and they want to stick it to the other party. But we're getting to a place where Biden has been so tragically destructive to the quality of life in this country that his own party realizes the only way they're going to preserve their own integrity, their own political viability, is if they start distancing themselves from Joe Biden. That's where we are. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. Every single Democrat is like, I want nothing to do with this guy. Okay, that's historic. This is unprecedented. You could say whatever you want about Jimmy Carter, but guess what? There was never a poll out there where 75 percent of Democrats didn't want Jimmy Carter running again in 1980. And he wound up getting killed. Live from everywhere, USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are fired up. Got a big hour coming up on Fox Across America. Lee Zeldin is a superstar congressional representative here in the 1st District in the state of New York, out in Suffolk County, Long Island. Hey, girl, if you're listening on WRCN, that's your hood out there. Uh, But Lee Zeldin, of course, is the GOP gubernatorial candidate for governor in the year 2022, looking to beat Kathy Hochul, the woman who, of course, succeeded Hansi Andy Cuomo. Well, last week, Lee Zeldin was up on stage giving a speech, and a guy ran on stage with a weapon. It was a cat knife, and they tried to stab Lee Zeldin. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Well, this maniac winds up getting arrested, but of course, under the woke bail reform laws here in New York, he gets back out onto the street moments later. Everything woke turns to 
really does. We're going to discuss it in this hour with Representative Lee Zeldin, your fine self, also welcome. I'll try to squeeze you in at 888-788-9910. Okay, it is Wednesday. I'm in a pretty good mood. I'm always in a good mood. I'm like a dog with a job. You know how the dog at the airport's always wagging its tail when it sniffs the bags? Because it's just so shocked that anybody is counting on a white Labrador to save a plane? That's me at Fox News. I am so shocked, pleasantly surprised, that anybody is counting on this radio equivalent of a white Labrador to save the show, that the tail's always wagging. You can pet my stomach, throw me a few tennis balls, whatever you got to do. But the point is, when it comes to crime, okay, you will see my tail slow down a little bit because somehow, some way, in the summer of 2020, when all this George Floyd insanity was going on, The Democratic Party took crime and turned it into a political issue, meaning if you're concerned about crime, you must be some type of racist Republican. We're not concerned about crime over here in the Democratic Party. In fact, it's the cops committing all the crime. So we got to get rid of them. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. But that's what they did in the summer of 2020. The Democrats cut a billion dollars from the police budget here in New York. They did the same thing in L.A. They did the same thing in Chicago. What do all of those cities have in common right now? Soaring rates of crime. Okay, when you look around the country at all the Democratic-run cities that have soaring rates of crime, understand I have so much empathy for the people living in these municipalities. But at the same time, it only goes so far in the sense that They keep voting for this, and it it breaks my heart that people put their party over their own quality of life. But that's what's going on. California is a good example of that. Gavin Newsom got recalled. Gavin Newsom should have been thrown out on the streets with the long, slick back hair. Okay, I would never advocate violence. Okay, but he should have been tossed out onto the streets into a dumpster because that's exactly what he turned the streets of California into by having more empathy for the bottom feeders in society than the people holding us together. Understand, when you do things like woke bail reform, it's targeting equity. Hey, ho, hey, we can't be holding people in jail because it disproportionately targets the minority community. We'll have more minorities in jail than we will white people. And that's not fair. So let's let them all out of jail so they can go attack their own communities again. Do you understand 90% of the time if you are mugged, If you are robbed, if you are raped, it's by a member of your own ethnicity. So when you see things like woke bail reform laws letting out members of the minority community who committed violent crimes, you understand they're going to go commit more crimes against other members of that minority community. So in essence, we are just prioritizing the law-breaking element of the minority community over the law-abiding element of the minority community. That is correct. That's what's going on here. And that's insane. And that insanity has created a, you know, an air of lawlessness in our big cities. New York, I'll give you an example right here, is horrific right now. Okay, we had this video the other night. You got two 16-year-old kids. They just get in a wild fist fight with transit cops. Okay. Transit cops are trying to stop these kids for jumping the turnstile. That's a thing here. It's fare evasion. On the New York City subway, if you don't want to pay the fare, you jump over the turnstile, get on the train. Well, they're starting to police that a little bit, finally. Why? Because these little quality of life offenses, okay, we used to call it broken windows policing. 
But the liberals who run this town did away with it. They said, hey, no, come on, no broken windows policing. You're stopping black men. You're stopping, you know, Latino men. This is racist. It's not good. But the cops weren't stopping people because of the color of their skin. They were stopping them because they were breaking the law. Bingo. And if you let a young 16-year-old kid break the law in a small way, it's like dinosaurs, grass eaters and meat eaters. When it comes to corruption, you know, a grass eater is somebody who does something small. I'll hop a subway turnstile. But you get used to breaking the law on a small scale, and it's only a matter of time before you become a meat eater. You start breaking the law on a larger scale, robbing people, breaking into stuff, looting, smashing windows, all the things that are in surplus here in New York right now. New York is horrifying in terms of the element of crime on our streets. Most people can turn a blind eye for it because the wealthy people who run this town don't stick around. They're all out in the Hamptons. It's the summer. There's nobody in the city right now, no residential member of New York who has money on the Upper West Side or the Upper East Side is hanging out in the city in the hot, disgusting summer. They're all getting in a helicopter or jumping on the Hampton Jitney and going out to the east end of Long Island. That's where they are. It's packed out there. Okay, but the rest of us and the tourist element that are here on a daily basis are surrounded by, like, actual, like, Walking Dead. Okay, do you remember the Michael Jackson thriller video, the people who come up out of the manholes? That's everywhere in New York. They blend in a little more now because the population is recovered, meaning there's more tourists in town. We had foreign and domestic tourism shut down during the pandemic. Now it's back, and everyone's here with their families running for their lives. The whole city, you're just getting chased by some lunatic everywhere you go. I don't ever once get on the subway and not see a fight or a crazy guy just jumping in people's faces. And again, I have empathy for those people. They're being failed by society. We have a mental health problem. Okay, a major mental health problem. It's wildly underfunded. And we need to be prioritizing the mentally ill because they're the ones committing a lot of the violent crimes we see around the country. You know, someone had suggested to me last week, well... You know, we should just take all the crazy people and throw them in one building. They tried that. It's called CNN. Didn't work. But the point is we do need to fund these people and get them treatment and get them off the streets. You know what else we need to do? Arrest criminals. We're not doing this. So you got these two 16-year-old kids. They get stopped by transit cops. Transit cops are going to ticket them for fare evasion. And they're trying to teach these kids, hey, don't break the law, even on a small scale. It's a very slippery slope. You start breaking the law small, you wind up breaking the law big. We don't want that to happen. That's what broken windows policing was all about. If you see the windows broken in a community, if people grow up in that element of lawlessness, they're more likely to inhabit it themselves. So if someone breaks a window, you got to lock them up. Lock them up. Okay? But because we have all of these woke bail initiatives, but because we've created more empathy in society for the criminal than the cop, and these kids know they're not going to jail, the cops try to stop them. What do the kids do? It's a male officer and a female officer. Start punching the hell out of them. Get a fist fight with the cops. Cops are on the ground literally rolling around in a violent fist fight. Female cop getting punched out by a young kid. And they ultimately get brought under control and arrested. And what happens next? They get let out on bail. They get let out on bail just a few hours later. Okay? That's ridiculous. You gotta do better than that. Okay, understand. One of the teens was freed on his own recognizance following the arrest. That he and three others jumped a 49-year-old man in a midtown Manhattan street. The four allegedly punched the victim, ran off with his cell phone. I can give you more examples. Okay? Woman's pushing a stroller on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, gets shot in the head, killed, dead. 
Okay, that guy had a rap sheet a mile long, but he's still out on bail. Think about Fox News. We had a guy burn down our Christmas tree. Now, this sounds superficial. It's a Christmas tree. I get it. Okay, but a guy burnt down our Christmas tree on a Tuesday. On a Wednesday, to demonstrate our spirit of resilience, we put up a new Christmas tree. Hey, we're not going to take this. We're Fox News. How about F you? So we put up a new Christmas tree. And what do you think happened at the lighting? The guy who burnt it down on Tuesday was sitting across the street watching the whole thing on Wednesday. That went on. Okay, because you don't go to jail for crime anymore in these cities like New York, where I happen to be right now. It's out of control. Think about it. New York gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin. He's going to join us in this break. Okay, he was giving a speech last week. Think about that. He's giving a speech. I am running for governor. He's giving a speech about why he should be governor as he's making the point that the streets are lawless, that criminals are plaguing all of our communities, whether you're Democrat or Republican, a boy or a girl, a they or a them. Crime is out of control in this town, in this state, in this country. As he's making that point, A guy literally runs on stage and tries to stab him. It's like as if he like paid the guy as a prop to draw more attention to the cause. Like he couldn't have scripted that. That's insane. Like at that point, I'm like, he finished his speech. I don't know why he finished his speech. Dude, your point's been made. There's a lunatic trying to kill you. And oh, by the way, that lunatic who's at his rallies, one of the reasons he's at his rallies is the Democratic opponent in this case, Kathy Hochul, was giving out the date and time of all of the Zeldin rallies and enjoying and encouraging people to go down there and give him a hard time, saying he's an existential threat, he's a Republican, they want to kill women, they want to roll back your rights, we're all going to die. That was embarrassing. That's what they do. They don't care. They don't know embarrassment. We're living in the death of shame. All of the Democrats trying to quietly restore money to police budgets right now, Think about that. Quietly giving back money. What did Biden do earlier this week? Hey, here's some money for the cops. Great. They always need the money. We always need more cops. But do you understand supporting the police can't be a seasonal thing? You know, like people like I summer in the south of France. Biden's like I summer by supporting cops. When the election comes in the fall, if one cop does a bad thing, I'll call all of them racist and we'll cut their budgets again. That's what they do. Do you understand? Biden was part of this whole thing. Biden famously said in the 2020 campaign, "Ah, police don't need all these big weapons. They don't need all these big trucks. Yeah, I support cutting some of those budgets and reallocating the funding because when they drive into a community, you know, it riles people up. Oh, really? It should rile people up. You should be scared of the cops. You should respect the cops. Because when you don't respect the cops, you get what I get, which is one long episode of cops where everybody in the city is running for their lives because the criminals don't go to jail anymore. In a New York state of crime 
Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Going to be talking to Representative Lee Zeldin. He is, of course, the Republican nominee for governor. Here in the great state of New York, he's attempting to knock off Kathy Hochul, who, of course, replaced our former governor, Hansi Andy Cuomo, who got in a little trouble in the office. You ever seen a grown man naked? A little etiquette issue for Cuomo. And uh, just a few months after giving him an Emmy, Hansi Andy had to go. Andy! Andy! The woman who has succeeded him, uh, Kathy Hochul, is actually worse. Correct the mundo. I don't know what her office etiquette is like. I don't know that she's asking everyone on the staff to play strip poker and asking if they ever slept with older men like Cuomo did. Uh, but I do know she's furthering a lot of the woke garbage that got us in this mess to begin with. You know, and again, I am amazed by the lack of empathy for victims. I, I actually genuinely do understand empathy for criminals. Okay, I do. Meaning... I'm not on their side, but some people really do come from really disastrous homes. That doesn't make their actions okay, but it means they might have grown up in a lawless environment. They might have grown up in a criminal element. They might have never been properly taught, you know, consideration and common decency. It's one of the best arguments for religion. You don't have to be a religious person. But the reason religion is actually so helpful to society, are you ready for it, is because It gives you a boundary in life. You live your life with a goal at the end. The goal is to get into what your religion has defined as heaven. And in order to get into that heaven, you have to live a life of common decency. That's the value of religion. You can yell at anything you want about what you believe or I believe or anything in between, but having a real spiritual light at the end of the tunnel that actually impacts your decision-making process and says, hey, maybe I shouldn't shove this woman in front of a subway train. Probably not going to get into heaven for that one, okay? Maybe I shouldn't do this push-in robbery. Maybe I shouldn't shoot at this mom pushing a stroller as we saw on the Upper East Side of New York. This is horrible, okay, because people have really lost God in this country. And again, I'm not recruiting you to any specific religion. I happen to have been raised Catholic. But the real value to me in my life growing up in a religious household and going to church every day, I couldn't even tell you it was church because I got my butt kicked in church half the time for being such a squirrely lunatic in the pew. But it was helpful to know there was this goal. Like, you know, if you make it to the major leagues, you'd love to get enshrined in Cooperstown someday, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Or if you're an NFL player, you'd love to make it to Canton, Ohio and get a bust in the NFL Hall of Fame. That's kind of what heaven is supposed to be. You're trying to live the kind of exemplary life that will get you enshrined in the Hall of Fame. You're one of the decent people. You're one of the better people that do it. That's the value of religion. 
is that you're living a life of common decency. We don't have that common decency anymore. And I'm so amazed because, again, I get that criminals, young criminals who grew up in a life of crime and poverty, you know, grew up in houses where their parents were in prison and their parents did drugs and everything was a mess in between. I get that people who come from that element are more likely to perpetuate that criminal element as they get older. So I understand having some empathy for the societal conditions. What I don't get is the lack of empathy for victims. When someone says defund the police, they're saying, I don't care what happens to these victims. Like, I don't, they, they, they are. Whether they think so or not, that is a lack of empathy for victims. Because when you defund the police, crime goes up, meaning people suffer. When you pass these woke bail initiatives and you let out criminals, what do they do? They harm victims every time. Do you know what the rate of recidivism is under these woke bail reform laws? It's like 90%. Guy goes to jail for violent crime. You let him out a day later. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to commit more violent crime. You know, that's the whole thing. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. And I hate to be right about this one, but it's just a fact. That's true. That is true. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Paul and Oates is singing Man Eater. Can't sing that anymore. It's 2022. The correct version is Them Eater. You don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> oh, here they come. Watch out, Zier. They'll chew you up. You know, if you're here in New York uh, and you're, you know, walking the streets, they tell, you, they, they tell you constantly, okay, they tell you constantly when you're in New York, you know, you got to be on the lookout for anything strange or unusual. You walk in the streets of New York, you look out for anything strange or unusual. Well, last night I saw that the New York Mets beat the New York Yankees. And if that ain't strange or unusual, I don't know what it is. Joining us now, a man who can talk about it and so much more. He is our GOP gubernatorial candidate for governor, Representative Lee Zeldin on the show. Hey, man. Hey, you know, listen, there are people out there who would say, I can't take sides between Mets and Yankees because you're running for governor of yes. New York. Uh-huh. Now, Bill, Bill de Blasio was a terrible mayor. He was the, like the worst mayor in the history of like the galaxy. <laughs> However, he got elected mayor of New York City as a Red Sox fan. So I'm not <laughs> afraid to say it. I'm a Mets fan. We won last night. I'm excited about it. And it's back on again tonight. <laughs> well, by the way, I knew that that de Blasio was, was a Red Sox fan. And I was trying to warn people. I'm like, we got everything we deserved as New Yorkers. I mean, I didn't vote for the guy. But if you voted for a Red Sox fan to run New York, did you really think it was going to end good? I didn't. I mean, can you imagine, like, you running for mayor of Boston and, and, and having that out there in the open that you're, like, a diehard Yankees fan? No. <laughs> and then you... And then you get elected. You might actually think that, you know, like, hey, this this must be a pretty good guy that he was able to get elected mayor of Boston as a Yankee fan. I could say, you know, for anyone out there in Boston or these other places, if, you know, someone from your rivalry is running in New York City, no, we did not do a good job in, in seeing Bill de Blasio. Not, by the way, not only elected, but he was reelected, too. Oh, Gosh. So sick. It is sick. And I will tell you, just for those listening around the country who don't even know how deep the hatred is in Boston. Like when you go to Boston and you know this, even though you're a Met fan, they will literally chant Yankees suck anywhere at a wedding, at a funeral, at, at a you know, any a dance recital. You will hear a Yankees suck chant anywhere in Boston and not be thrown by it. It's a thing. But here we yeah, are. No, here I, we are. You know, I, I don't know what you know, what's rougher to uh, have to deal with Yankee fans at Fenway, Mets fans down in Philly. 
Uh, or it's, can I? Are, yeah, they're all bad. But can I? Can I? Well, Philly fans are the worst. Let me just say before I transition. The reason I say Philly fans are the worst is because they're the only ones in the majors who still throw beer at seventeen dollars a beer. You know, most most fans don't do it. It's too expensive. Philly fans will still throw a beer at you. That's passion. Oh, they they love their team. I mean, this is this is hardcore, real loyalty, and you know you have to respect it. As a Mets fan, though, I tell you, it's it's rough experience uh, trying to walk out of City Field after they just lost a home game to the Phillies. Those Philly fans who made the trip, they are not going to make that exit easy. <laughs> well, it's sad when a gubernatorial candidate is giving a speech in New York and gets a Philly fan treatment on stage. We're watching this here at Fox last week. Guy runs right up on stage, which was psychotic. In the moment, did you even know what was going on in real time? Were you kind of befuddled by the fog of war and that whole thing? What were you thinking? I'll tell you what I was befuddled by is that I was noticing that he had this hat on that said that he was a veteran Mm -hmm. at the same time as I'm noticing that he has this weapon in his hand that he's lifting up and I'm seeing these two sharp edges coming out of it. So for me, in my life, when I come across a veteran, someone in law enforcement, those types of encounters with people like that, uh, I drop my guard entirely. Mm -hmm. However, when I see somebody coming up towards my throat area with a weapon in your hand with sharp ends to it, uh, that will definitely trump the veteran's hat. In that, in that <laughs> scenario, I, uh, I, I was not going to uh, let anything go any further. I yeah. mean, that needed to be stopped on the spot. Uh, my, I could credit and thank my mother for paying for karate lessons when I was a kid. One of the basic lessons for anybody out there, if someone's coming at you with a sharp object, a knife, or otherwise, and you have to defend yourself, there's you have no other choice. Some people try to figure out how to get to the knife or the, the sharp object. If you can, it's better to go for the person's wrist. If you could gain control of their wrist, you could gain control of the knife. And especially what what I experienced last Thursday is that there were a whole bunch of people around who – I mean, I just had to hold him there for a moment. Mm-hmm. And then you had a whole bunch of people come tackle him. Well, I mean, that is crazy. We're talking to Representative Lee Zeldin, who is, of course, the GOP gubernatorial candidate here in New York. I mean, we watched it. The, the, the silver lining, I guess. I mean, I'm not thrilled uh, with your opponent, who was, of course, giving out the location of your rallies and calling you all of these terrible things and ex- existential threat and everything else. But I don't think Kathy Hochul worries about this stuff because at her rallies, most of the audience wants to stab themselves. No. Well, I, I don't know if she is even holding rallies. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe she is. Uh, but uh, you know, as far as the rallies that she, she does hold, you know, it might be one of those mandatory appearance-type rallies for most of the attendees. You, know, you get <laughs> you know, that particular union to endorse you. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the, the members of those unions are, are – in many respects, coming our way because they want to feel safe on the streets. You know, members are told that they have to go to that particular campaign event. I don't even, I can't even call it a rally. They have to go to that campaign event, but they don't like the direction of this state. This isn't like a Republican versus Democrat thing in New York. And for and there's a lot of people who don't even live in New York who are watching the headlines. They see what's going on and they get it. This is about Republicans and Democrats and independents 
all realizing the state is heading in the wrong direction and unifying as New Yorkers, not unifying just like with your party against the other party. Uh, And I really feel like we have to save our state and we have that opportunity to do it November 8th. I think things will get a heck of a lot worse if we keep the same people in power. I I agree a thousand percent, but that's the part I'm amazed by is they frame crime as a political issue. But when someone attacks someone else on the street, they don't ask them who they voted for before they take their wallet, before they mug them, before they push them in front of the train. And that's the part that I'm amazed somehow gets overlooked. Maybe obviously not by our party, by your party, by your campaign. But there is so much more empathy on the left for the criminal than there is for the actual cop or heaven forbid the victim. And I think maybe, I don't know, you might agree with this, but a lot of these woke bail reforms that are letting people right back on bail, right back out anyway, are harming the minority communities that they're meant to protect because you're essentially just prioritizing the law-breaking member of that community over the law-abiding member of that community. And the extreme of that, everyone's seen this video and if you haven't, you should go on social media because it's all over. At the NY, the New York City PBA, I uh, tweeted out. That's where I first saw it. But this video of this 16-year-old fighting with law enforcement using techniques that have been banned. So he's putting the law enforcement officer at one point in a chokehold. That officer can't do that. They have attacks on qualified immunity, law enforcement officers being worried about having to get sued for doing their job. But anyway, New York, uh, the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg comes in. He does a day one memo, all sorts of offenses across the board. He says he's not going to charge at all. All sorts of other offenses he would treat as lesser offenses. But anyway, one of the offenses he wasn't going to charge was going to be fair jumping. Mm-hmm. So here you have this 16-year-old who just a few days earlier got committed a violent robbery, goes right back out on the street. The Manhattan District Attorney doesn't request any bail. In this case, he's trying to jump the fare. The officer stops him, says you can't do that. The 16-year-old starts going after the officer. And the officer was trying to do his job, but the, even the prosecutor has sent out the message that this is not something that's going to get prosecuted. The craziest part of this may actually be when the 16-year-old goes in front of the judge after the uh, fight with the officer. The, the 16-year-old asks the judge whether or not he can press charges. Like the sense of entitlement, and I, I think it harms these communities that in many respects are, are getting less and less safe each day when you're piling on, piling on these pro-criminal policies, new pro-criminal proposals of what to do next, and then people like the Manhattan DA refusing to enforce the law. It's crazy. Talking to Representative Lee Zeldin, uh, he's our GOP gubernatorial candidate here in New York State. I think it's so insane that we've gotten to this place where the criminals feel more comfortable doing their job than the cops do. But I think that's your challenge. You become the next governor of New York. Well, your biggest challenge, in all honesty, is not turning on a black light when you get to Andrew Cuomo's old office. If we can be clear, steer clear of that for your own well-being. But your second biggest challenge, okay, is creating an environment where the cops feel That would support- take the whole day, by the way, <laughs> just trying to figure that out. I, did. I wasn't going to make you respond, but thank you for being you. Uh, what I was 
going to say, though, is, you know, when you see their wave of early retirements, when you see the amount of cops that are relocating to places like Florida, like it is clear. OK, everyone in my family's a cop. My dad's a retired cop. Both of my brothers did 20 years on the city job. Cops don't feel appreciated. Cops don't feel like this is a city that has their back. And I don't think it's unique to New York. I think there's a quality of life issue all over the state, unfortunately. And I think that is your biggest challenge. So let me ask you this. If you become the governor by, you know, to keep it in sports parlance, you're the general manager. You're the Billy Epler of New York. Are you signing more free agent cops? What do you do to get this under control? Well, definitely. First off, I believe that all of the police officers who have been fired for their personal decision not to get the the COVID vaccine should get their jobs back with back pay. That's just my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. There's a need to be able to hire more law enforcement. Uh, Undoubtedly, we have to repeal Castle's bail. We need to remove the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg. The governor has the authority to do that. It's not just an authority. I would also say it's an obligation. I would do that on day one. That would be my first act, telling Alvin Bragg that he's being removed. There's other policies that get less attention that are all compounding this issue, uh, supporting our you know, the, the men and women in blue through keeping qualified immunity, maybe enacting a law enforcement bill of rights, recognize their inherent right of self-defense, make sure they have all the tools and resources they need to do their jobs when they're when they're accused of something, that they're not guilty until proven innocent, that there's a process and they're noticed and there's a, you know, a hearing and they could be represented. They're not To make sure they're not unfairly targeted by investigations, this all allows us with recruitment and retention – to improve morale, to combat what is rising suicides, rising retirement packets. There's a lot of issues inside of law enforcement, and I would say if I was to come up with one simple reason for it, it's because elected leaders just don't have their back. And that's something easy to flip, but it's going to require new people to come in to say, I unapologetically back the blue, just being willing to say that publicly and then following through with action. But we get the opposite of that right now with those who are in charge. Yeah, it's so true because they're all trying right now to create the appearance that they care about the cops and distance themselves from that slashing of police budgets like we had here in New York. You know, they cut a billion dollars. That's insane. And uh, they're all trying to inch back towards the center on this one because it's politically expedient. But you know and I know the minute there's a controversial police interaction and all of these interactions operate without context, we're passing judgment without knowing 90 percent of the story. But the minute it becomes politically expedient to trash cops, they always do. So my question to you is, do they not care what the residual effect of their actions is as long as it gets them elected? Because if you were out there yelling defund the police, it's hard for me to believe you cared about the effect it would have on society because no sane person could have ever uttered that phrase. Yeah, it's hard for me to give the benefit of the doubt to these elected officials when they, they launch into attacks on law enforcement that you know, really captures everybody who's wearing the uniform, it's very different, and it's obviously most responsible if somebody does something wrong. And I don't care what your occupation is. In law enforcement, just like every other occupation, there are bad apples. If somebody does something wrong, then you go after that issue. Mm-hmm. But what happens too often with law enforcement 
is first off, there's a whole lot of people who are great who end up getting accused of something that yep. they did wrong, but they didn't actually do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. But then when somebody does something wrong, they want to vilify everyone who is selflessly dedicated to this job and they're willing to give up their life in defense of not just family and friends, but strangers too. Uh, that's the big problem for me. That's what really bothers me the most. I don't have a problem at all for holding, I mean, we should yeah. hold somebody accountable in any profession if they do something wrong, if they're, they are that bad apple. But yeah, too many people in government, they just want to... They just want to go after the other 100% of that police department as if they all did something wrong, too. I hate that. Oh, it drives me nuts. Uh, last question. I'll put you on the hot seat. Max Scherzer, he's got a 6-2 and two record on the mound tonight against the Yanks. Do you think the Mets take two in a row? Of course. Well, I, I mean, mean I, I thought you were going to have a hard question for me here. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I would say here, here's the thing, though, with, mm-hmm. with Scherzer. And DeGrom used to have this issue as well. But, you know, DeGrom only pitches like, uh, you know, it feels like, you know, a game and a half a season. <laughs> He's these got days. a good work. He's got a good deal. Yeah, go ahead. But, you know, like Scherzer and DeGrom, they just they're not getting the run support. So mm-hmm. I, I think that Scherzer comes in and pitches very well. But mm-hmm. the bats have to show up. And so that's that's the big question. But I, I feel good about the Mets tonight. They're at home. They've been playing well at home. Yeah, no, they have. And you're right to say that Scherzer is like the right-handed Johan Santana. Do you remember when he's the, he'd leave a game down one nothing in the eighth inning like every other start? Uh, the Mets never hit for that guy. That, I mean, Scherzer's won games. He's 6-2, and two, so don't cry for him. And I, I'm gathering he makes uh, you know a pretty penny out there pitching and flushing. But I don't know if I'm with you on this one, man. I, we've agreed on just about every point today, but I think the friendly wager, I think I take Domingo Herman and the Yankees pull the upset plus the 150. Mm. Agree to disagree. You know, we we could be friends again after tonight. But <laughs> I guess between now and uh, and this getting settled, I don't know if we're going to be able to talk here for a few more hours. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll let this one go. But no matter how it plays out, I will have you know if you get tackled at your next rally, it was not me. Just so you know, it it never would be. You're a good man, Jimmy Failure. Oh, dude, Zeldin, I'll send you the twenty bucks for saying that later. All right, good talk. Have a great day, man. I appreciate it. Bye bye. There he goes, Representative Lee Zeldin. He is, of course, the Republican nominee for governor here in New York. Guy was attacked on stage last week. He's given a speech. Somebody runs up on stage with a knife. That's not right. No, it's not right. And the fact that there hasn't been a universal condemnation and like an enough is enough moment is everything you need to know about how they are just absolutely running society into the ground by having more empathy for the criminal than they do the good guys. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. It's the number one children's show in the country. He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad. Oh, snap. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. The radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Going to be talking to one of my buddies in the next hour, Kevin Walling. He worked. Kevin Walling worked. On the Biden campaign in 2020. What an idiot. I mean, he's the he's one of the reasons we're in this mess. But you know the way the show works is we should be talking to every side of the aisle, every corner of the country. It's Fox Across America. We're not activists. We're not just sitting here yelling and screaming at Democrats all day. That's boring. There's a lot of shows doing that in this time slot. You can go listen to them. I try to get through a few minutes without falling asleep and driving off the road. I mean, that's essentially what I am. Radio rumble strips. 
My job is to keep you awake and engaged. Keep your eyes on the prize while everyone else just yells that Democrats are a bunch of commies trying to destroy the country. Uh, Listen, a lot of them are. (laughs) but That doesn't make for good radio. Gosh, it gets old after a while. So we talk to every side. And, you know, if you're a Democratic lawmaker listening, uh, you're welcome to call into the show and be a guest on this show. We try to book them all the time, but they're like, hell no. That's my favorite thing about them. They're like, oh, uh, America needs to have a conversation. We need to get together and discuss the issues. Then you're like, hey, that sounds good. Do you want to come on the radio show? The answer would be no. (laughs) Of course not. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world broadcasting From the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up in this hour, we're going to be talking with Kevin Walling. He was, of course, a worker on Joe Biden's 2020 campaign. I don't know that he brags about that openly. I do believe he tells people he was Jeffrey Epstein's private pilot. And before that, he was a matchmaker for R. Kelly. Uh, But the point is, he's a great friend of mine, and we don't agree on a lot of policy. Uh, But we do agree that this is the greatest country in the world, and the only way it's going to get better is if people start talking across the aisle and not acting like a bunch of fat, screaming children trying to cancel each other and ruin each other because we disagree on policy. It was never supposed to work that way. And I tell you this all the time. We're doing it wrong in this country when it comes to politics. Absolutely, positively wrong. Because we got to this hyper-partisan place where people root for their party harder than they root for their country. Best example I would give you for that is the state of California. They actually ran California into the ground. I was just there with Jenny and Lincoln. The geography of California is beautiful. The quality of life is disgusting. Everyone out there, and it's disgusting. But they've turned every single sidewalk into a restroom. And I'm not talking about number one. It's disgusting. Me, Jenny, and Lincoln were not even a mile from LAX, not even a mile from LAX when we saw our first episode, if you will, of that sort of thing. And, you know, we can laugh about it because we're crazy people. Uh, But it's also a coping mechanism when you realize you're surrounded by something so grim. But California, which is losing more citizens than any other state in the country, whether you boil it down by percentage or just pure volume, everyone's fleeing California. Why? Because the crime is through the roof. The quality of life, unless you happen to be a Hollywood celebrity living in a mansion with a wall and a security detail, the quality of life is garbage. Okay, and people are running for their lives in downtown Los Angeles and other big cities. San Diego, it's really dumpy in Old Town now, which pains me to say. It's supposed to be a nice city. Okay, but in places like Sacramento and San Francisco, they really have run the quality of life into the ground. Yet Gavin Newsom easily survived his recall. Why? Because people put their party ahead of their own quality of life. He knows what he's talking about. That's what happened. I mean, in what world can you justify reelecting a guy like that? Think about it. Okay, really think about where we're at. When a guy spikes your crime rate to a 35-year high in murders, cuts the police budget in the process of doing so. You can't walk a block in California without seeing a tent city, something Gavin Newsom himself is subsidizing with his own government, fifth biggest economy in the world. Forget the country, the world. California is a big thriving state, you know, economically. But all the big businesses are leaving. Tesla led the charge on that and went right to Texas. Why? 
because all of these tax and spend social welfare initiatives, all of this government dependency creates a massive tax burden on big business. Not to mention that the government gets involved with a massive regulatory burden, throws a huge bureaucratic boot on the neck of these businesses, large and small, and they all want to skip town. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. That's Ronald Reagan, a Republican governor of California. Okay, it can happen again. It was unfathomable back then when Ronald Reagan was running away with it in California that it would go this liberal and they'd run the state in the ground. Just like, you know, way back when Texas had a Democratic female governor. Okay, and that obviously switched around. And here we are all these years later with Democrats telling us it's going to go purple and then it's going to go blue. But unfortunately for them, the candidate they're trotting out there to do it is Beto (laughs) O'Rourke. Yeah, Beto, a Latino word that means loser. I mean, he's just a dope, just a hey-look-at-me garbage politician. But the point is some folks will vote for these people like Beto, like Newsom, because they just want to see their side get a win. But when you put your side ahead of your country, we all suffer as a result. For that reason, you'll hear liberals on this show. I love when Jessica Tarloff comes on. You know, I'd love to book her again, you know, maybe next week if Tarloff is around, we can get her back on the show. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 All right, so not everybody's a fan, but I get on with her great. And I like to talk to people who don't agree with me. That's what conversation's supposed to be. That's what political discourse is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be, I don't like you, you're out of here. We can't be that transactional. And we've got to be honest with both sides, okay? I tell you every day, Joe Biden's running the country into the ground. I call him out on lies all the time. I lost my mind earlier in today's show because Karine Jean-Pierre was out there at the podium just lying through her face about Joe Biden and his support of gay marriage. Now, this isn't a big issue in our country right now, but the Democrats are trying to make gay marriage a social issue heading into the midterms. They can't run on the economy. Okay, the Fed just raised interest rates another 0.75 basis points, okay, which means it's going to cost more to buy stuff. It's going to cost more to get a loan. It's going to drive down the value of homes because it's harder for people to buy them when the interest rates keep going up. So whether you're talking about the quality of life in your neighborhood, whether you're talking about your economy, whether you're talking about your gas prices, whether you're talking about your kids' education, whether you're talking about your southern border and the drugs coming into the country. Everything sucks in Mr. Biden's neighborhood. Everything sucks in Mr. Biden's neighborhood. Okay, so the Democrats are trying to pivot to culture war issues. Okay. Gay people are under attack. Women are under attack. None of this is true. It's absurd. The point they keep making is Florida. Gay people are under attack in Florida, even though they have the, uh, or let me see here, the second biggest gay population in America. And more people are moving there from the gay community than any other state. But I swear they're under attack. You got to believe me. We got to stop them from moving there before it's too late. You know, women are under attack. Voting rights are under attack. You know the old saying, when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you have nothing, pound the table. The Democrats have been pounding the table awfully hard. Put up or shut up. They won't put up. They won't shut up. Okay, but when it comes to politics, because they're embracing this culture war identity politics, you know, plan of attack. Karine Jean-Pierre tried to pivot to gay marriage yesterday at the podium and said Joe Biden was at the forefront, the forefront 
for gay marriage equality as a senator and a VP. This is her claim. Here it is, clip six. I spoke to the president about uh, 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 this legislation, the Marriage Act, the Respect for Marriage Act, uh, last week. As you know, this is something that the president has supported uh, for many, many years. He was out front uh, on on marriage equality uh, ahead of so many other uh, uh, congressional members and senators when he was uh, when he was himself uh, uh, a senator and also as vice president, as you all know. Not even close. Okay, so she tells you what? Joe Biden was at the forefront. He was front and center in leading the charge for gay marriage. Very interesting, because here is then-Senator Biden talking about gay marriage, clip seven. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. (laughs) What's the game going on here? Marriage between a man and a woman. That hardly sounds like a guy leading the charge for marriage equality. But that's who they are. They're just brazen liars. It drives me crazy. But I bring it up because we're going to have a both sides conversation with Kevin Walling. Yesterday, Trump spoke. I opened the show by covering Trump's speech because I thought it was funny. He was talking about recruiting LeBron James to play for a women's basketball team. (laughs) Because if a biological male like Leah Thomas can swim against women, why can't he start a basketball team with a bunch of male NBA players and just win every championship? He was being silly. It was Trump. He was leaning in on culture war issues. And I highlighted it because I do miss that kind of debauchery in our politics. You know, it's the one thing about a Trump rally, okay, is everybody there was having a good time. Okay, you don't go to a Biden rally, not that they have them. Nobody shows up. They very rarely let the guy speak publicly without a teleprompter because they don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. That was the last time they let him go off script. They're like, wait, what? Did he just tell black people he's in charge? Yeah, you can't do that. But anyway, okay, at a Biden event when he speaks publicly and it's sad, breaks my heart to say it. There's this really nervous energy in the room because they don't know how he's going to get through each sentence. They don't know if he's just going to stop talking, if his mind's going to wander off. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. uh, I mean, not the best. Okay, sometimes he makes up words. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. We have a president that is clearly not all there. So it's, it's really hard to watch when Biden speaks publicly, the, the pauses and, uh, you know, everything else. And it's a hard thing. OK, so sometimes you do appreciate the energy and the good nature of a Trump rally where he's out there telling jokes and insulting people. And I say this in 20 years, they're going to sell them late at night like they're old Dean Martin roasts. You know, all the insults are here, you know, from lying Ted Cruz. There's a slob. There's a real slob. To little Marco Rubio. This guy will say anything. To low energy Jeb. You ought to be ashamed of Secretary. yourself. You know, you're going to buy them for like three installments. Time Life presents. The Trump rallies where he's always insulting his opponents. Okay, that's part of what makes a Trump rally fun. I've said this before. It's like going to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. When you go to a Rocky Horror Picture Show back in the day, the hook was that everyone in the audience knew every word to the to the show, every word. And that's how a Trump rally is. Like if you're covering a Trump rally, you'll hear people say to their friends, we can't go to the bathroom. They're about to do locker up. 
We'll go there and drain the swamp. We'll come back for build a wall at the end. You know, it's like numbers. They do numbers. They do chance. Everybody has a good time. Okay. And uh, that thing, that mirth, that feel-goodery, it has escaped us in this moment. And I think watching that yesterday, I think, brought like a feel-good vibe back to our politics. Even if you hated everything he was saying, it was nice to see people in an audience watching a rally and not feeling bad for the speaker. A show with substance and style. This is my oldest guy in the boy band look. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's a good-looking Italian. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I got to be honest with you. We were supposed to have this next guest on at 235 and have a lot more time for him. Uh, but he moved things up, uh, shortened the interview. And you would, too, if you had to defend this administration. You can't blame him. But I love him anyway. Kevin Walling is here. Hey, girl. Hey, brother. Good to be with you. Yeah, I mean, I've got, you know, just a few minutes to defend this administration. That's about it. <laughs> You're going to need all of them to define the word recession. It seems to be a, a pressing challenge for those in the White House these days. And I'm sorry, we, our time is up. I have to go. <laughs> Good for you, Wally. That's why I love you, buddy. That's why I love you. You're the best. Um, thank you for taking the time out today. As you know, I, I always love having you on. And I, I just, I really, I did everything short of writing you a haiku in the previous segment in terms of building up Get our. You, yes. you talked about Jeffrey Epstein. You talked about R. Kelly in my intro. Get out but of that here. But those are still nice things. Those are not, that's, that's, that's nicer than the real job description, is it not? That's true. That's probably true. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Wally. Well, I was actually getting, I'm not even kidding, because I didn't realize they had moved up the interview. But I was actually getting uh, to a critique of Donald Trump, which you might have appreciated, because yesterday when Trump spoke in D.C., uh, you know, there was a lot of the fun stuff, the nicknames, the name calling. But one thing I won't give him a free pass on, I'll play it for the audience later, is, you know, he was winning currency in the room by trashing Fauci. And he's like, you know, when it came to COVID, I just did the opposite of what Fauci told me. And everybody applauded. But he actually did listen to Fauci. Like, I can't give him a freebie on that one because he followed Fauci. The only guy who defied Fauci technically was Ron DeSantis. No. Maybe Ron DeSantis and maybe Ron uh, Rand Paul, too, in yeah. terms of those committee hearings and stuff like that. But you're right. I mean, the, you know, the president uh, was right there at the podium with Dr. Fauci throughout the initial stages of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he realized that Fauci was getting better ratings than him and pulled the plug on Fauci. It wasn't because he was disagreeing with uh, mm-hmm. what Fauci was saying. It was more he was he was becoming more of a star than the president was. Yeah, Fauci was he was big media. It was a big media presence. And to be fair, too, though, Fauci, you know, has been all over the map on a lot of issues. And I don't want to turn this into a Fauci debate, but I wanted to ask you this as a guy who worked on Biden's 2020 campaign. How badly, how badly deep down do Democrats want Trump to run again? Because I think a lot of people see him as the one Republican they have the best shot at beating right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I've been on Fox the last two weeks. I was with John Roberts last week talking about, you know, how I'd love to see uh, Donald Trump run for or announce for re-election that he's going to run uh, and to do it before the midterms because, you know, all <laughs> he cares about is himself. God love him. And I think that would actually be a boon to your point for the Democrats. You know, that might not be uncouth to say publicly, but I'm a realist when it comes to our electoral chances. We've got a lot of headwinds. Mm -hmm. And if we can bring Trump into this narrative, 
and and to make the case about him and, and January 6th and what he did and, and you know, the mm-hmm. handling of COVID, then I think we're going to fare pretty well come November. Kevin Walling is on the line, and he's, he's telling you the truth. He calls balls and strikes. I said this yesterday. It didn't win me a lot of fans. But, the, you know, when it, when it comes to Trump, that is the biggest liability for the Republicans is if he jumps in before the midterms, he could Georgia the midterms. Remember how in the Georgia special elections he went down there and told them their votes weren't going to count? That's yeah, not that's not really right. what you want to hear when a guy shows up to stump for your campaign. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I think that could be one of our saving graces. You know, if we if we can paint, um, as you've been seeing, uh, you know, what comes decisions like, well, I know you just talked about the marriage vote and stuff like that. If we can paint them as a little bit out of the mainstream when it comes to these issues and time back to Trump, I think we have a fighting chance come November. Nope. And that's just, you know, what, what I see in front of us. No, I, I would agree there. But let me throw this one at you because we've got this polling out. We're going to cover this a little bit later in the show. The number on Biden is now above 70 percent in terms of Democrats who don't want him to run again. That's kind of unprecedented. Okay, I don't know what you can and can't say, given your relationships. So I don't want to put you in a bad spot here. But in theory, okay, is there anybody out there? You know, when Cori Bush says she doesn't want him running or or she won't, you know, say whether or not it's a good thing. I take that as a really bad sign. Is there is there anybody out there that really thinks he's running? Because, you know, when I hear Kamala's meeting with donors and Newsom is meeting with donors, what's your gut, Kevin Walling? Not Kevin Walling strategist. Just we're off the air. I'll cut your mic. We'll do this back channel. This. What's the answer? (laughs) Listen, I think, you know, he's 79 years old. Uh, That speaks for itself. Uh, And the American people are going to decide whether he should run again. I mean, uh, he's going to have a conversation with Jill about it Mm -hmm. and his family to decide that. But listen, you know, I grew quasi grew up in Delaware. I love the guy. I'm a Biden guy going back from when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I, I'm never going to say an uncouth thing about him. I think he's doing a pretty good job. But I think those numbers are reflective of everyone's frustration. I mean, President Trump's numbers are are down. Congressional Republican numbers are down. Everyone is freaking miserable in this country when it comes to inflation, when it comes to Ongoing COVID. And the surest reflection of that with any commander in chief is that job approval rating. So you look at history. Ronald Reagan had terrible, terrible numbers in 82 as the oldest then president. Mm -hmm. Bill Clinton had even worse numbers in 94 in that midterm election. So it's always the case often that, you know, Republicans, Democrats sour on that president two years in and want to see someone else. Yes. But I think the difference being is. We knew Bill Clinton was running for re-election. We knew Reagan was running for re-election, even though he was old by the end. I mean, to be clear, we were calling him an old man at 76, and he was two years younger than Biden was the day he got sworn in, you know? So yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I, I personally don't see him running again. But if he does run again, if they have a relaunch, will Jill Biden serve breakfast tacos? I sure hope so. Listen, oh, wow. I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to keep on the list for the White House Christmas party this year. So <laughs> you're never going to get me to say anything negative about this guy. Number one, because I love him. And number two, he throws a pretty good party. And we didn't get them last year with COVID. So I'm sure as hell want to stay on that Christmas party invite. Everyone, everyone should know that when you come on the talk politics in your head, the song Girls Just Want to Have Fun is playing the whole time. <laughs> Not just. Not just on your show, every every day of the day. Kevin Walling, the Cindy Lauper of politics. That's why we love you, girlfriend. Be well. We'll do it again soon, okay? Thanks for having me. My man. There he goes. There we go. We'll get to your calls after this. Some reactions to Mr. Walling when we come back on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Shout out to the great Kevin Walling. Comes on as a Biden strategist, Biden supporter. 
we have a good chat about it. We can laugh about it. This is what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to hate people because they disagree with you. God, it's just so intellectually lazy. And it's way too much of our politics. Sometimes you need an escape from the politics. I don't know. Maybe you want to laugh. You head out to the comedy club. That's what I would tell you to do. I got two dates coming up in August that are great ones. Uh, August 19th, we're going to be in the Lake of the Ozarks at the Encore in the Lake of the Ozarks. Rumors of a Jenny Fela sighting at that one. Uh, I'll be doing stand-up Friday night, August 19th. You can get tickets at Ticketmaster.com if you want to go do that. Uh, The following weekend, I'm back in Carson City, flying out to Reno. I will be at the Carson Nugget Friday night, August the 26th, Saturday night, August the 27th. Tickets for that at ccnugget.com. You want to hang out with your radio buddy. Last time I was out there, okay, Dean, who owns and operates the casino, is, you know, as classy of a human being as anybody you're ever going to meet. It's like an old school Sinatra, like Rat Pack type thing. First class, great food, great wine, just treats you really well, gorgeous hotel room. It's really like well above and beyond anything somebody like me deserves, but they're just such a classy outfit. And the audience was amazing, was just amazing. Just our people. That If you remember when I came back from the Carson Nugget, I was raving. I was like, it was one of the first big events I got to do out on the road uh, where I saw people who listen to the show every day and just had that vibe that I'm trying to foster on the air. Like, everybody's so cool. Everybody was funny. They made fun of me. They had shirts with my faces on them, and it was great. And it was like, you know, going to KTBB down in Tyler, you know, any of those awesome events we did. VMT, we were just up at the Spank Puppy. That was fun. I'd give you guys credit at Fat Cats up in Utica, you know, WIBX, but you guys fed me way too much food. I'm actually, I'm mad at Utica. I'll be back. I'll do the comedy club again in the spring uh, whenever the hell they need me, but uh, I'm a little worked up right now. I'm still fat from all of the, all of the Utica greens you fed me. But as far as this summer goes, uh, your next two big chances to see me in action, Friday night, August 19th at the Encore, Saturday night, August 26th, uh, excuse me, Friday night, August 26th, Saturday night, August 27th, out at the Carson Nugget. According to Kurt, who is calling from Reno, uh, I might have picked a bad weekend to go, Kurt. Is that true? Yeah, you got the wrong weekends, Jimmy. You gotta, you gotta move it back to Labor Day weekend. Why you say? I mean, listen, to, well, listen to you yesterday, and, and hearing the love of your barbecue. I mean, that's that's the deal, Jimmy. What? We have the best in the West. Ribbit Nugget Rib Cookoff is dozens when? and dozens of rib cookers from all over the country uh-huh. show up in Sparks, Nevada, no. well over 100,000 pounds of ribs get what? devoured over those four days. What? Over, um, over Labor Day weekend? Labor Day weekend, yep. Oh, Thursday, cr- Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Oh, come on. You, Kurt, you're killing me here. This is no way to live. Well, I, I mean, that's your team. You got to talk to your team, Jimmy. Somebody, <laughs> somebody blow it. I mean. Well, between between you and me, and I'm not allowed to tell anybody this, so don't repeat it, uh, but I'm hosting the five on Labor Day. So I actually need to be in New York to host the five that day. But don't tell anybody else. It's top secret. I'm not allowed to say it. Come on now. You got you got the pull, Jimmy. You should be able to pull this off. (laughs) (laughs) Now, 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 second point here, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. I heard you earlier today talking about Philly fans. Yes. And, I mean, there's a strong contingent of Philadelphians who are in the area. Really? You know, um, 
I, I already have my ticket, so I am going to have to get there early to get a front row seat, you know, just to, to give you some Philly love. <laughs> are you going to pull a Will Smith? He's from Philly, and he stormed the stage. Are you going to hit me? I, I, I don't know if I can get that uh, up there that fast. You know, just uh, <laughs> no, well, but. Well, Kurt. It's, it's going to be a great hang with or without the spare ribs. And Dean always feeds me good, so I'm not concerned. But uh, we're going to have a good night out there. Um, you know, the one thing about me, man, is when I go to these events, I usually hang out longer than the fans want to. You know, like everybody's like, oh, it's nice to meet you. I know you're from TV or the radio or whatever, but I hang out. You guys are my people. Like, it's going to be like a revival. It's going to be like a rally, man. Hey, that's good. I'll just have to take a nap before. That's all. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Most people get their sleep during my set. I kid. It's going to be great. It's going to be great, Kurt. Um, well, I'm really looking forward to that. What night are you going? Friday night. Oh, girl. 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Oh, you better. You, you like the early one, and I get I respect that. Well, you know what the smart move is to go to the 7? Because I'm going to be sober for the 7. There's no promises by the 9. Because the last time I was out there, man, we had this glorious dinner with Dean and his high roller gamblers and everything else like that, and they pumped me full of so much wine, man. And I'm always nice. Like, you know, I'm when in Rome, you got to, you know, you don't want to insult anybody, so you drank all their wine. But then I got on stage, and everyone there was like, let's see if he'll drink another one. And I was like, come on, man. So you'll... You'll probably see a better show at the seven, but you'll see a more memorable show at the nine. But may have, have to hang around. Yeah, well, you'll have to remember it for me. But either way, we're hanging out some you and me time. Make sure you introduce yourself. And I do promise you, like, I'll have plenty of time for everybody. I hang out all night. It's going to be a good one, buddy. Great. All right. Feel, feel free to bring me some of those ribs I'm missing out on, too. Okay, pal? Be well. There he goes. The great Kurt out in Reno, uh, who's coming to the Carson Nugget Friday night. August the 26th. Not not just to see me. If You, you can see Kurt if you want to go to the Nugget and see me in action. Uh, my favorite thing is to do stand-up for this audience because you guys hear me on the radio every day. You know a lot of me and my mannerisms and my family and a lot of the references I make and the sound clips we play and stuff like that. But stand-up is actually like what I know how to do. That's how I got into this. Someone at Fox saw me doing stand-up and was like, wow, this guy – this guy's got some serious talent. Wrong. Okay, but some talent. They were like, this guy's got some talent. Wrong. Okay, they were like, this guy's got, he's got like a little, he's got like halfway decent talent. You know what I'm saying? Just like the tiniest smidge of talent. I agree with that. So that's it. There it is. I got Obama on my side. But the point is, uh, that's how I got started, and that's what I like to do. And, you know, my goal when people are always like, eh, you're going to get your own show on TV. I don't know that that's the case. I'm not like angling for anything like that if i could do anything if i had like a real career goal right now in this moment with all the cool tv stuff you hear me say you know doing it all that jazz i just want to put out another stand-up special just an hour of stand-up um that's as good as anybody else's in the country and then we get credit over here at fox they go like wow holy hell fox they're cool they're funny like you guys know that but most of the country doesn't give us credit and like my investment in the fox brand it really comes from how overwhelmed i was the first time i came into this building as a guest you got to understand as a guy who came up driving a cab and hanging out in new york city everyone i know is a liberal you dig every one of my comic friends was a liberal every single one of them and our entire perception of Fox News was based on all of the hyper-contextualized clips Jon Stewart was playing to call Fox News the devil. I grew up believing everybody here was like some angry right-wing person that just, you know, hated everybody and, you know, was lying and full. And then you walk in the door. And this place is, like, magical. Like, everybody's hilarious. They're funny. They're all in a great mood. They're super supportive. It's not like a normal TV network 
where, you know, you go to CNN and on TV, they're like, yeah, we all support each other. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. The minute the cameras go off, they're like, Cuomo, get him out of here. Lemon, he's a moron. Can't stand the guy. How does Jake Tapper still have a show? I mean, they all hate each other because it's traditional TV. The one difference you'll notice between Fox and everywhere else is we all do each other's shows. You know, if you got a show on CNN, you do your show. You might toss to the next one. That's about it. We are on everybody's show. In a given week, you'll see me on Bill and Dana's show. You'll see Dana on my show, Bill on my show. You'll see us doing Gutfeld together. You know what I mean? You'll see us on Outnumbered together. You'll see us playing Final Exam against each other on Tucker. You'll see us paneling on Kennedy. You know what I'm saying? You'll see us on Fox Business Tonight. I'm on Fox Business Tonight. We do all of that stuff. The big Saturday, big Sunday show. That's five hosts getting together, people who work on other shows and other things. It never stops. If you watch Hannity, there's panels. There's always that, that element of camaraderie. And it's the one thing I want Fox to get credit for. We win in the ratings every damn day. I mean, we kill everybody with the Yankees. We did, you know, we're the team nobody wants to play, you know. But in the overall scheme of things, we're finally now, only in like the last few years, actually getting the mainstream credit we deserve for being as cool and as fun and as positive as we are. You know, the media wants you to believe like we should be banned and we're out to get the country and good God, God help us. But that's all they can say. You know, we don't have 200 retracted stories about the Mueller probe. The rest of the media does. We didn't get that one wrong. You know what I mean? We didn't get the Hunter Biden laptop story wrong. We didn't get the fact that vaccinated people were getting and spreading COVID wrong. The rest of them did. That's the point. We're always right. But the bigger point is that we're always having a good time being right. And that's why if I had a short-term goal, it would be to do like a one-hour stand-up special and just, you know, just blow the world away. And people would have to go, wow, Fox News, holy hell. Because I do feel like a lot of loyalty in that regard because this place is so much cooler than it gets credit for. And it's made my life, oh, my goodness gracious. Could you just even imagine what my life looks like now versus what it looked like five years ago? It's stunning. I can't even like I can't even articulate it to myself, let alone to you. Okay, but one of the reasons people, you know, we resonate with people also, you know, is because we're honest, like we're telling you the truth. We don't always take Trump's side like the media would have you believe, oh, they're in a tank for Trump. Yet every other day, Trump is trashing us because we might have disagreed with him, trashing our polls, trashing our, you know, our hosts because we don't always take his side because that's not our job. Our job is to be on the side of the truth. And I got to be honest with you. We're doing the hell, just the absolute hell out of that job. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The show that's not afraid to hit the road. The stars at night are big and bright. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Introducing Ask Trump, the advice seminar from a man who's an expert on everything. Nobody knows the politicians better than I do. I know more about ISIS than the generals. Nobody knows more about campaign finance. Nobody knows much more about technology. Nobody knows more about environmental impact statements. I understand the tax laws better than almost anyone. He'll take your questions on everything from baseball deals. Nobody knows more about trade than me. To children's gifts. Nobody has better toys than I do. Ask Trump can improve your vocabulary. I know words. I have the best words. Audiences enjoy it so much it feels like a religious experience. Nobody loves the Bible more than I do. Ask Trump is so successful the critics are going nuclear. There's nobody that understands the horror of nuclear better than me. Ask Trump, the fastest growing advice seminar in the country. Because nobody's ever had crowds like Trump has had. 
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and Trump had quite a crowd yesterday. Did he ever? It was his first speech back in Washington since leaving aboard Marine One on January the 1st, excuse me, January the 20th of 2021. That, in fact, was the day that Joe Biden was sworn in as your current president. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did happen. Well, in any event, one of the things that cost Trump that reelection bid You know, before you start yelling at me about 2,000 mules, Uh, one of the things that really did cost them the election bid, getting past the drop boxes and the ballot harvesting and everything in between, because, again, there was plenty of chicanery in that election. Uh, I don't know that it was at the level Trump was being told, but the bottom line is, you know, when the economy cratered because the economy was locked down, that became the political liability for Trump that undid most of the progress he had made. Understand, prior to COVID, Donald Trump had ushered in the greatest economy we'd ever seen in our lifetime, the lowest recorded unemployment rate in history, the lowest recorded black unemployment rate in history, the first time in over a decade that the lower half of income earners in this country saw greater household wealth accumulation than the upper half. Trump was, I mean, had America thriving prior to COVID. Okay, but one of his claims yesterday, I understand a lot of you want him to run for president again. Okay, this is going to come back to bite him in the butt, okay, uh, if he continues to lie about stuff like this. Like here's Trump yesterday trying to curry favor with the crowd by saying he did the opposite of whatever Anthony Fauci told him. This is clip 26. Boosted up long before Nancy Pelosi wanted it or any of these people, including Fauci. I used to listen to Fauci and whatever he said, I did the opposite. I came out very good. <laughs> it's not actually that is a fact check false he listen he did he actually did listen to fauci fauci was the one who wanted to shut down the government and he was the one who listened to fauci excuse me who wanted to shut down the economy shut down the schools, shut down where you you pray where you worship and again i don't actually fault trump for taking a proactive stance because they tell you whatever he does he's damned if he does he's damned if he doesn't understand really think about this when trump banned flights from China from China in January. Okay, it was January the 27th, okay, of 2020, when Trump banned flights from China. Okay, everybody was like, this is racism. This is xenophobia. How are you going to do that? It's going to spark a backlash of hate crimes. And then two months later, all of the same Democrats who screamed at him for banning flights from China turned around and said he took too long to act. That's just how white folks will do you. Joe Biden, his campaign, was the one who hit Trump for xenophobia. But, you know, Joe Biden, who was mad at Trump for, you know, acting too soon on COVID, then turned around in the month of March and was like, what took you so long? This is unbelievable. With no regard for the fact that, you know, Nancy Pelosi was encouraging people to come down and party in Chinatown that, that, you know, that month for Chinese New Year. You don't have to worry about this COVID thing. Don't listen to Trump. He's a xenophobe. Come party with us in Chinatown. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. And think about it. The media never talks about all the people who got COVID from that. How about Andrew Cuomo in New York? You know, this is not going to be Trump scaring us into Asian hate. We're going to stay open. You've got nothing to worry about, said Andrew Cuomo. You're the lowest form of life on earth. That's him. Okay, but understand when Trump says, oh, I did the opposite of what Fauci told me, it's actually not true. That's where Trump's going to have a big issue in getting reelected is like if Trump runs against DeSantis, I actually think DeSantis could beat Trump. I know a lot of you guys don't 
you know, you're not thrilled to hear that out of my mouth. But to be honest with you, I don't care who wins. I just want the country to thrive. I would be happy if Biden served three terms. If the guy knew what he was doing, I'd be, yeah, give me another term. Biden's lost his marbles. A lot of people feel that way, you know, so I don't get on the air with a loyalty to any candidate or any party, and neither should you, okay? You should just hope the country thrives. That's our job as Americans. We're playing the same team. doesn't matter who you voted for. The whole joke of politics my whole life was always like, oh, my buddy's a Republican, I'm a Democrat, but deep down these people are all in it for themselves. We always knew that, okay? Yes, we've gotten to a place in our politics now where the scourge of radical progressivism is worth stopping. What the Democrats are trying to do to the country, I actually do believe it's worth stopping. At an electoral level, it is worth stopping. This is not me advocating for violence or anything like that, but I don't think any of what we're doing, all of these woke initiatives in the military, I don't think they help us. I think we're having a hard time meeting recruiting goals in the military. When it comes to undermining faith in law enforcement in the name of equity, there's no such thing as equity when it comes to crime. It's about right or wrong. It's not about black or white. I think all of that stuff is bad. I think all the government dependency they're hitting us with right now, undermining people's self-reliance, as a guy who got here on nothing more and nothing less than self-reliance, believe me, when you're driving a taxi 84 hours a week in New York City, there's no like showbiz hand of God that's like, yeah, we should give this guy something. Dude, the wars, the sleepless nights, the maniacs, the hobbits, the wizards, the time travelers I had to deal with to get to where I am now. Okay, and I got to be honest with you. If the government was paying me a couple of bucks to stay home, I'm not wired to stay home. I still wouldn't have stayed home. But I get where a lot of people would have. And that's the problem, Okay, is that the government has undermined so many of the critical components that make people self-actualized, self-sufficient people. Thanks, big government weenuses. That's what these big government weenuses have done, as Kennedy would say. So in the end, okay, I'm in favor of anybody. That is going to get out there and champion American values and put all of us first. And if the country can thrive, if that rising tide can lift all boats, I'll vote for anybody. I don't care. Tim Scott, DeSantis, Trump, Baron Trump, anybody but Lara Trump because she's nuts. She comes on my show. But this show's over. So get out. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.